See you tonight. Did you have a good day? Huh? Good. Praise God. That's wonderful. I'm glad you're here tonight. Praise the Lord. Um, we've been sharing some testimonies um, for um, a couple of weeks here. God is just doing some fantastic things. And it's, it's, it's just, uh, yeah, it's just amazing. It's just amazing to see now. Uh, how many of you know what a catalyst is? You know what a catalyst is? What's a, what's a catalyst? You know, you know, what is it? It's, what is it? Yeah, something that ignites something that, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a catalyst. I think God used a catalyst to turn some people on fire for the Lord. Amen? Amen. And it's, 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 it's not necessarily the catalyst. It's the fire and the power of God that's the result of that, you see? powerful. Praise God. So this evening we have a testimony and I, I want to get to it as quickly as I can. Uh, by the way, did you notice Sheena had a little baby boy? Isn't that wonderful? What, uh, what they named him Joshua Aaron. Joshua Aaron. What a strong name. That's good. Was that, was that when he was born? I don't, okay, there we go. You know more than I do. Amen. <laughs> Hey, I want to invite Rob and Angie and Colin and Megan to the platform. Where, where are you guys at? Oh, you're right there. Okay, come on up, guys. Uh, they've got a testimony that um, um, they want to share with you tonight of uh, some things that have been happening in, in their lives and, and how God is using them. So, hey, it's good to see you. God bless you. Yeah. Um, who wants to start here? Who, who, who gets the microphone? There you go. Okay. Hey, everyone. Uh, I'm Colvin, Megan, Angie, and Rob, for those of you who don't know us. Um, I have a full 15 minutes since it's just me. So, uh, <laughs> But I do have a few notes. I just want to make sure I hit everything. So um, when they talk, asked me to talk, um, I didn't come up here to talk about Todd White the whole time. But I will say that Megan and I were blessed with tickets, and I know there's a lot of negativity about Todd White on the internet. And I would just challenge you, before you believe what you read on the internet, to watch some of his teachings with an open heart and just judge for yourself what you think. Um, you know, if you're gonna trust random people on the internet who you don't know and not trust Pastor Tom who invited Todd to speak here, then what are you doing? Um, <laughs> I just felt the need to say that. Um, anyway, just to get on. So I had been hearing all the testimonies and I was like, well, God isn't telling me that person needs prayer. And then I was kind of like, I also didn't ask him to. So I asked him and then this is what happened. Um, so I entered the, to win tickets to the Pirate Game through Faith Night and ended up winning them. Or I'm sorry, through K-Love. Did I say through Faith Night? Yeah, sorry, through K-Love. Um, this isn't my thing. I usually just argue with people when I'm playing Peter. <laughs> so it, how it started was we knew we were going to the game and we invited Rob and Andrew to go with us. And um, Megan asked me to stop and get gas in her sheets or get gas in her vehicle at sheets. Like a good husband, I procrastinated that and did not do that. So we got it on the way to the game, which seemed to be a coincidence, but it was not. Um, Rob and I went in to get Zoas and shout out Billy. And on our way out, this lady almost runs us over and she flies by and parks her car. And then she walks over to us and it's three o'clock in the afternoon and she's like, you shouldn't walk in front of people who are driving drunk. And we're like, maybe you shouldn't be driving drunk. 
Um, and then she pulled this, uh, we called it a middle, medieval torture device out of her purse and Rob prayed for her, so I'll pass the mic to Rob. He did say medieval torture device. <clears throat> it was a blade, like a curved thing, and it looked like something out of Braveheart that they cut William Wallace with, you know? And she pulls this out of her purse that had some not-so-nice language written on it. And she says something along the lines of, I'm going to kill my neighbor. I'm so mad at her. You're going to see me on the news later. And we said, listen, we're not going to see you on the news later. You're going to put that thing in your purse. And we said, you know, we, we pulled the classic, do you know Jesus and that he has a plan, or you know Jesus loves you and has a plan for your life. So she goes on about something, oh, I've been saved three times. And I went to Catholic school or this and that. And, and we just kind of looked at each other and we looked at her and we said, listen, it's a relationship. It's about a relationship. So we said, we're going to pray for you. And, you know, she, luckily she put the torture device back in her purse. So we felt safe that we could reach out to her. So we all kind of reached over and we said, can we hold your hand? So she reached into the car and we held her hand. And as we were praying for her, just declaring that peace and forgiveness would come over her and that she would be able to resolve this conflict with her neighbor. And she just was trembling and, and crying and got very emotional and just, we just declared that peace that the Holy Spirit would wash her and just allow her to invite forgiveness into her life and handle that conflict appropriately. So we could see the guy that she was with and he was sort of pumping gas and we were looking, but she was just, she was just broken at this point. So um, I forget what happened after that, but she really just kind of, she was crying and emotional and she, yeah, she definitely thanked us and she just kind of moved on. But we were like, that was so easy. You know, was just, we didn't even seek it out. We didn't go to sheets looking for that. We went to solve Colvin's procrastination issue of for getting fuel. So we went there for that reason, but the, you know, God put that other purpose right there in front of us. Yeah. Um, and I'm not going to fully say what her purse said, but it had the F word on it and it said the world, like just on the front of her bag. And I just remember seeing that and thinking, how broken and angry and sad of a person do you have to be to make that purchase, to purchase something, to carry that around as like your statement, your declaration? Um, and I mean, Christian, like you're in the world, but you're not of it. So if you can be Jesus for somebody who hasn't seen him in a long time or ever, um, you know, greater is he that's in you. So we just were believing for her that seeds were planted that day, um, you know, God's faithful, and if he started to work in her at some point, if she had some sort of influence at a previous time, I truly believe, and I just declared that over her, that just this was a new start for her, a new day, that she was gonna, things were gonna be stirring in her mind, and she was gonna be thinking on things and changed, and it was just gonna be the start of something new in her. Um, and it's just crazy, because I also thought, if this were me in broad daylight on a Saturday in the afternoon, and I'm wasted, right? Because she not only admitted that to us, Calvin was in the driver's seat and he even admitted, he's like, I could smell it all over her. Megan and I were in the back and I don't even think she noticed us at first. And I'm like literally filming on my phone because I'm thinking, okay, she's admitting to being intoxicated. She has a weapon. I don't know what I'm gonna need evidence-wise if something happens. So I was like, this is what I'm gonna do. Um, but 
You know, if that were me, I would be fleeing. You know, especially if I almost hit somebody, I would be at the farthest pump possible. I would be hiding to not get caught. And she not only pulled in beside us, she approached us. And these two men, I give them so much credit because I was kind of having a mini panic attack. Um, but they were just so gracious. And I just even remember um, at one point she apologized to them. And, and Calvin, I remember, specifically said, we forgive you. It's okay. And I thought, man, she may have not ever heard that before in life. And maybe she's had a rough time or she's have a, had a rough road. And this is what she's resorting to. And just these men were God for her in the flesh, um, just forgiving, showing grace. And like I said, I just, it was, it was really crazy. I mean, we all left changed. Um, we all left empowered. And I was like, man, you know, we're so pumped, but this should be our normal, you know, and this is what life should be like for us on the daily. We know Todd White's living it out daily, so that kind of wants to be a goal for ours. And these guys, even past that, had an experience. Yeah, so if you thought that was the end, it wasn't. Um, <laughs> so we went to Faith Night, and we had an awesome time. We stayed late and listened to some of the players gave testimonies. And the plan was we were all gonna get dinner, but it was late, and Rob and Angie wanted to go home, so... Um, Megan and I have a strict diet, so we went to Dino's and we got wings and fries. <laughs> and um, yeah, so we just both felt led that our waitress was dealing with something. She was super positive, happy, seemed happy, smiling. Um, and before she was coming back, I knew I was going to ask her, you know, like we wanted to bless you and also to ask her if, you know, she knows that God's real and that God loves her and has a plan for her. And before she came back, uh, something Matt Geppert said at uh, Gatekeepers just I just said, Jesus, help. That was his prayer for anyone who was there or wasn't there. He said, the simple prayer you can say is Jesus, help, because Jesus already knows what you want. So we asked if we could pray for anything, and she did a lot of um, kind of like, yeah, I have some things, and she didn't want to talk about them. And um, so we prayed for her, and as we're praying, she's just breaking down, crying, and you could tell she was going through a lot. Um, she did eventually tell us, and I won't repeat, you know, things she's going through, so Megan had invited her to church and Megan said, I'll write my number down for you. So she writes down her name and number. And the, when she saw it, the girl just like threw her pencil and just started breaking down crying again. And so Megan, my wife, gave her name and number, but the waitress actually had a sister named Megan who had just passed away. And she was now, um, had partial custody of the, her son. And there was a big situation. So afterward, I just wanna read this message quick. Um, Megan had reached out to her, you know, and said, like, we, we would be praying for her, and we'd love for her to come to church with us. And she said, thank you so much uh, for coming in tonight. I now know that it was definitely not a coincidence. I called my mother and cried with her on the phone right afterwards because I felt the power of God when you guys laid your hands on me. And I've been trying so hard to keep my head above water and staying positive to look after my sister's son. He was eight years old when she passed away, and I have par partial custody of him. Um, I know for a fact both of you are meant to come in tonight. So... I think the moral of that for me was she seemed, and I thanked her, like, you were so positive. It's 10 o'clock at night, you know, she's just finishing up a shift, and she was so positive, seemed so happy, but a smile can hide a lot, and everybody in the world's going through things, um, so, yeah, I would just challenge all, everyone. I know, back to the beginning, Todd White said he would lay hands on and pray for 10 to 15 people a day, and that's the first time I had ever done that, and I know... I felt kind of convicted watching other people give their testimonies of, of doing that, and I had never done that. So um, it was such a blessing. I honestly can't explain how much of a blessing it was. If you've never reached out like that, I, I encourage you to, to try it.
Wasn't it awesome? Wow. Good gracious. My, my, my. That's powerful. Stand with me if you would, please. Hallelujah. Well, Father, we thank you so much tonight for these wonderful testimonies of what God can do when we just step out in faith. Father, you just need us to put one foot in front of another and, and believe. And Father, that's what these young people have done, and we see the marvelous results. God, tonight I pray that you would infuse every one of us with that same zeal to step out in faith and believe God to do a miracles, to heal people, to save people, to bring people to a place where, where the Holy Spirit can speak to their lives. Lord, give us that unction of the Holy Spirit that we are able to do that, Lord Jesus. Father, set us on fire for you, God. Let us burn by the Holy Spirit and what you are doing in our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Tonight, Lord, we pray that you would be with us and open our ears, our eyes, open our heart to receive the word tonight. And Father, we, we will thank you and praise you. God, you're an awesome God, and we declare it tonight. And thank you for all that you are doing in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. 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 Hallelujah. Well, this is our confession of faith. I want you to say it like you mean it tonight. Believe it with all your heart. Here we go. Jesus, be glorified in my heart. I welcome your presence. My heart is open to receive the ever-living, never-changing word of God, the word that is changing my life, healing my body, setting me free. My faith is growing, and I am living in the favor of my God. I declare it, and I receive it by faith, for I am blessed. Say it again. One more time, I, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, praise God, hallelujah. Well, you may be seated tonight, thank you so much, hallelujah. Let me get to my notes this evening. Um, boy, it's good to see you tonight. Tonight, uh, we're going to try to wrap up uh, the Beatitudes uh, with you this evening, and uh, next week, next week is a night of praise and worship. You don't want to miss that. You don't want to miss that night of praise and worship. The powerful things God is doing in the midst of praise and worship. But I wanted to um, just go back for a moment, if I may, before we, we look at the last beatitude here. I want to go back just for a moment and, and uh, say a couple, uh, maybe some thoughts about um, what we were talking about last week, because uh, I, I closed last week with talking about offenses, if you remember. Do you remember that? And um, I, I read that scripture um, from Matthew chapter 24. This, this, this is what can happen when we don't resolve conflict, when we don't resolve uh, issues that arise in our lives. This is what can happen. Jesus is talking about the end of days, and in Matthew 24, verse, starting with verse 10, he says this, and then many will be offended. Uh, that's the same word that's used in Luke 17, 1, where it says offenses will come. Let me just say this, that, that it, is, it is almost inevitable that at some time in your life, you will be offended by something or someone. Maybe many of you have experienced that. Uh, I have many times, um, but offenses will come and will betray one another and will hate one another, scripture says, 
Then many false prophets will arise and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end will be saved. I want you to see the progression here. The offense brings a final result of hatred. And if an offense is not dealt with, if an offense is not forgiven, um, Proverbs 18, 19, a brother offended, a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. That's because with strong cities, they, in, in, in Bible days, they built walls around strong cities. And a strong city was called a strong city if it had a strong wall. Walls are to keep the people out we don't like and to let people in that we do like. And it is really a form of protection. And many times when someone is offended, they put up walls around themselves and they say, I'll never be hurt like that again. I'll never be hurt by someone like that again. So we build walls to protect ourselves. And many times, many times, well, let me continue with that verse. And many false prophets will arise and deceive many. Can I tell you, the person that's easily deceived is the person that's been offended. The person that's easily deceived is the person that's been offended. Uh, the word offended in the Greek is skalalon. skalalon. It's, it's spelled like this, S K. A-N-D-A-L-O-N. Scalalon. It's, it's where we get our word scandal or scandalized. And um, the word offense in the Greek is translated, and, and it literally means the, um, the key uh, on a bait that is used for entrapment. It's the, it's the trigger. Let me put it that way, that, that way. It's the trigger on a bait to entrap an animal. Uh, think of it this way. Um, you've, you've, you, uh, we have mice. Maybe you don't have mice, but we, every, one, every spring we get a few mice in the, in the garage. And I put out a little trap and I put a little cheese in it. And then I, and I, and I sing that, you know, bend that thing over. And, and when the little mouse, poor little thing comes in to eat that cheese, you know what happens? He trips, he trips that thing and bang, he's caught. Now, my little granddaughter has a beautiful example of this. You know what this is? It's an alligator. I get a close up of this in the, in the camera. This is an alligator. And an alligator, he opened his mouth like that. See, see what that alligator does? And, and if you push that tooth, doesn't happen. Nothing happens. And sometimes a little offense doesn't bother us that much. Sometimes somebody doesn't speak to us and that, that doesn't bother us. But then something else happens. And then something else happens. And then someone that we really like and respect happens. And all of a sudden, we've got several teeth that are already exposed. And all of a sudden, 
It's got to be that one. Wait a minute. I got one more tooth. That's offense. And when, when, when the enemy can use an offense in your life, he can entrap you. Now, what's the remedy? How do, how, do we, how do we get out of that? How do we not let that happen? One word. Forgive. But you say, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Sheldon. You don't understand. He, she, they, it offended me. There's no, there's no, there's no way I can, I can forgive. Because they, if, if anything, they, they need to ask for forgiveness. And that's not what the Bible says. Let me read you a couple of scriptures. Romans chapter, uh, or Matthew chapter 6. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6 for a second. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive the others, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. Forgiveness. That's the remedy. I want to say this to you. I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget it. The person who cannot forgive when he's been offended has forgotten what he's been forgiven of. You hear that? Nelson Mandela is quoted many times um, with, the, with this statement. It, it's, it's amazing how many uh, different translations or how many different words that are used in his, in his uh, uh, actual um, um, quote. But the actual quote is this. Hating someone is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die from it. Isn't that, isn't that something? That's what hatred will do. And, and offenses will come. Now, now, just a couple more thoughts about this. Um, forget, let me say this to you. Forgiveness trumps reconciliation. Now, here's what I mean by that. The ultimate goal of, of what we're talking about being a peacemaker, the ultimate goal of a peacemaker is reconciliation. But there are times when it is literally impossible to be reconciled with someone. Maybe that person's already, already passed on. Um, maybe, maybe that's a family member that just will have nothing to do with you. Maybe, maybe it's someone that, that just um, uh, you cannot reconcile but you can always forgive. I want to say that. Now, please hear that. There may, be, there may be times in your life when it is just impossible to reconcile with someone. But it is always possible to forgive. Forgiveness is a choice. It's a choice that we make. Forgiveness, and, and, and people, people want, um, they, they want the feelings of forgiveness. Forgiveness doesn't have anything to do with feelings. Forgiveness is a choice. We forgive because the word tells us to forgive. Um, Matthew chapter 12, verse 18. Listen to the scripture. If it is possible, as far as it depends upon you, live at peace with everyone. As far as it is possible. And you say, well, you know, I, I have tried everything 
And, and Sheldon, these people, was, they just won't be reconciled. I just cannot get them to reconcile. I can't get them to, to, to come to an agreement or unity. But you can forgive them. That's our part. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 13. Since God chose you to be a holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercies, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowances, make allowances for each other's faults. Can I underscore that with you? Make allowances for each other's faults. I, I guarantee if you live with me long enough, you're going you're gonna to find a fault. It's true. Hard to believe, I know. But you're going you're gonna to find something that you don't like about me. Here's what the Bible says. That we need to make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. So you must, so you must, so you must forgive others. You must forgive others. So I, I wanted to just um, highlight a couple of those things with you because I really didn't have a whole lot of time to expound upon that last week, but um, I just wanted to review that with you. Um, this, this thing of offenses, um, let me tell you something, it drives people out of church. It drives people out of a relationship. Um, it, it, it will cause um, rifts in a family um, because, because people are offended. Um, and and it, it's a serious thing. It's a serious thing. And to prevent that, to prevent that, you need to know what an offense will, will do in your life. It's like a trap. And again, let me re recommend the book to you, The Bait of Satan by John Bevere. You need to read that book. Because in essence, I want to tell you that, that there, there's an opportunity for everyone at some time to be offended. There's an opportunity for that. So I don't want you to be caught in that trap. I don't want you to be deceived. I, I, I want you to understand that forgiveness is a large part of that. So um, let's move on to our last beatitude, all right? It's kind of quiet in here and... and um, um, it's going to get more quiet in here because this last beatitude is just, it's just a zinger. It really is. It's just wonderful. I, I, I love it. Um, the last beatitude, you know, the truth that we've been teaching, um, and, and it's wonderful to know these truths, um, but, but a, truth, a truth has to be applied in your life before it can transform your life. You can know a truth, but if, if you don't apply that truth, uh, you, there's no transformation in your life. And I guess what I'm saying is these beatitudes need to be applied in our lives. The, the, these attitudes were meant to be lived out in our lives. So the last beatitude, you ready for it? Here it goes. God blesses those who are persecuted. And everybody said, yay! God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. <laughs> Be happy about it? 
That's what the scripture says. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember the ancient prophets prophets were persecuted in the same way. Here, here it is from the Message Bible. That even makes it more, more clear. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. <laughs> the persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, count yourself blessed every time people put you down or throw you out. I've been thrown out of some good places. I would throw you out or speak lies about you or discredit you. What it means is the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer even for though you don't like it, I do. And all heaven applauds and know that you're in good company because my prophets and witnesses have all always gotten into this kind of of trouble. Now, I, I, I gathered some t statistics for us tonight. Um, these statistics are from the Open Doors organization, which is a, uh, which is a monitoring organization of uh, global persecution of the Christian church. And here's, here's some stats uh, from around the world, from around the world. We're talking about persecution tonight. More than 360 million Christians suffer high levels of persecution and discrimination for their faith. 360 million. That's 20 million higher than it was in 2021. That includes, the uh, high levels of persecution include beatings, kidnappings, rape, and arrest. 360 million Christians. Last year, Almost 6,000 Christians were murdered for their faith. 90%, 90% of those murders took place in Nigeria. Last year, 2,110 Christian churches were attacked and destroyed. The four countries that uh, face the most, where Christians face the most persecution are number one, North Korea. Somalia, Afghanistan, Pakistan. Now you might say, that's really heart-wrenching, but we live in America. We live in the land of the free. We live in a nation where we can worship freely, where we value human rights, where we um, uh, value our freedoms. Um, it's, it's, it's difficult for us to uh, comprehend, as it were, other places around the world that are suffering under such heavy and extreme persecution. But I believe that we suffer, maybe not to the extreme that they suffer, but we do suffer persecution. Here's what Second Timothy, this is what Paul writes to Timothy, a young preacher. Now, the, the apostle Paul was... His, his, before his name was changed, his name was Saul. And Saul persecuted the church until he was converted. But in 2 Timothy, he writes to Timothy and he says this, everyone, listen to this, everyone who lives a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Will suffer persecution. 
Romans chapter 12, verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Now, let me help you understand persecution for just a moment. Persecution, the more we, um, the more we seek to live the values of the word of God and the scripture, the more we collide with the values of the world. Do you understand that? The closer we get in our relationship with Christ and, and a godly walk with him, the more the world opposes that walk. And when your love for Jesus increases, the world begins to hate you. I would love to sugarcoat that for you. I would love to say, no, they'll be okay with it. No. Stand for righteousness and the world hates you. I can't sugarcoat it. When we live out the values of Scripture, we collide with the values of the world. When we make a commitment to Christ, we gain some wonderful friends, but we gain some enemies also. Uh, the, word, the word persecute in the Greek is the word dioko, D-I-O-K-O, dioko. And, and it literally means to put to flight or to drive away. It means to chase after with hostility. Persecute. It's always interesting to me that um, the moment that a person commits his life to Jesus Christ, genuinely gets saved, his life is turned around. He, he begins to walk and, and read the word and, and, and do things that are proper and right and righteous. All of his friends that were once his friends or family members begin to criticize him. They begin to say, what's wrong with you? Oh, oh, oh you got religion. Oh, no. Isn't that amazing? While we were living for the devil, nobody cared. But the, but the moment, the moment you step out and receive Christ as your Savior and begin to walk according to the Word of God, even our friends say, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? And they begin to criticize us. Tonight, I want to talk about three areas, and I, I, I want to um, uh, finish this evening, so I'll, I'll go quickly. The first area is, why are we persecuted? Why are we persecuted? The second area is our response to persecution. And the third area is what can happen as a result of persecution. So why, are we, why do we suffer persecution? John Scott says this in his book, persecution is simply the clash between two irreconcilable value systems, the world and the kingdom of God. It, it is simply a clash between two irreconcilable work uh, value systems. Um, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, uh, you've, you've read it so many times from the Message Bible. Here's what it says. Uh, Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. Let me say something to you as kindly as I can. <laughs> as kindly as I can. I, I, 
Don't get mad at me. I can't stand it if you get mad at me. It'll drive me crazy if you get mad at me. Don't get mad at me. Please don't get mad at me. The world's culture is foreign to the kingdom of God, and you can't have both. Now, are you just clapping because I said don't get mad at me? Or do you really, do you really believe that? It's true. It's true. Here's what uh, uh, 1 John chapter 2 says. Don't love the world. Don't love the world, neither the things that it offers. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. But, but may, I, may I suggest to you that the culture of the world has so influenced us that it is difficult to see the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. Say, what do you expect from us? Do you want us to be a holier-than-thou person? Yeah. Yeah. You be holy because he is holy. That's what the Bible says. Now, that didn't get the response that I thought it would, but that's okay. That's all right. That's all right. The culture of the world has so influenced us that it's hard to, to, to differentiate between the Christian and the non-Christian. Here's, here's why. We listen to the same kind of music. We view the same kind of movies. We watch the same kind of TV shows. We use the same language. We respond the same way under duress. We, we, have, we have believed, and, and I, it's, yeah, I believe it's a lie of the enemy, we have believed that to win the world, we need to be like the world, and that is a lie of the enemy. It's a lie of the enemy. We need to stand out from the world, and we need to be different than the world, because the world's culture is totally different than the culture of the kingdom. And, and, and I'll say it again. When you try to merge the two, you become very, very unhappy. Very unhappy. Because the, the world's culture is pulling you in a direction. And the kingdom of God's culture is pulling you in another direction. And, and, and what it does is it makes us miserable. It makes us miserable. John, James chapter four, verse seven, verse, uh, chapter four, verse four, James four, four. You adulteresses, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I'll say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourselves an enemy of God. Now you say, well, uh, you, you, ought to be, you ought to be sharing that on Sunday morning with those, those other heathen. We're not heathens. We're not, we're not, we're not, no. We're, we got it together. Yeah, I, I believe that. Um, but we still need to hear that. So why are we persecuted? We're persecuted because there is a stark difference between living in the kingdom of God and living in the culture of the world. Stark difference. Um, if, if you go to work and your coworkers don't know that you're a Christian, that's a problem. 
If you go to a family reunion and your family doesn't know that you are born again and love Jesus with all your heart, that's a problem. It's a problem. And as a result of that, the world looks at us and criticizes us and, and, and wonders, what are you doing? So, so it is a form of persecution. Uh, if they hated Jesus, come on, they'll hate you. That's what Jesus said. If they hated me, they'll hate you. And in essence, here's what's happening. They're not so upset with you. They're upset with the Jesus in you. Uh, I used to get my hair cut at a barber shop. And um, uh, the, the barber knew that I was a, I was a pastor. And uh, it's, it's, it's easy to be a Christian when people know you're a pastor. You know, <laughs> it's like, uh, oh, and there he is. He's a pastor. But um, uh, I would walk in the barber shop and, and inevitably the barber would say, hey, everybody, watch your language. Here comes the preacher. And, you know, when he said that, I thought, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah. You should watch your language because here comes the preacher. You should. Right, really? Don't you think that's true? You know? But he would say that all the time. Watch your language. Here comes the preacher. I thought, you know, that's really a compliment. It's really a compliment. If they hated Jesus, they'll hate you. Saul uh, was persecuting the church. He was putting them in prison. Um, we don't know that he was killing anyone, but the Bible does say that he was imprisoning the, 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 the Christians of his day. He's on his road to Damascus, and he has an encounter with Jesus Christ. And, he, and, he, and here's what Jesus says to him. Saul, why are you persecuting me? Wait a minute. I'm not persecuting you. Yes, you are. You're persecuting me. Because when you persecute one of my children, you're persecuting me. So here's what I'm, I'm saying this to you this evening. They're not so upset with you. They're upset with the Jesus in you that is so foreign to their lifestyle. Why are we persecuted? Secondly, what's our response to that? Well, it, it may shock you. Um, I pray it doesn't, but, I, but it may shock you. First Peter chapter four, verse 12. This is our response to persecution. This is how we should respond when people oppose us. Dear friends, Peter says, don't be surprised at fiery trials that you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. And I've highlighted a couple of words here. Instead, be very glad. Be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his sufferings so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed to all the world. If you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed. For the glorious spirit of God rests upon you. If you suffer, however, for not being, uh, uh, if you suffer, however, uh, it must not be for murder or stealing or making trouble or prying into other people's affairs, but it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 and 44. 
You've heard the, the whole says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those, pray for those, pray for those that persecute you. Pray for them. Pray for them. What they need is Jesus. Matthew chapter 5, verse 12. I didn't have all these scriptures down, but I'll just, I'll just give them to you. Be happy about it and be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven and remember the ancient prophets who were persecuted in the same way. What is our response to persecution? Not retaliation, not anger, not frustration, not pulling into a, into a, a ball and, and, and hoping it'll go away. I, I'm, I'm not suggesting that you look to be persecuted. <laughs> oh, I hope someone persecutes me tonight. I, no, no, no. I'm not suggesting you go looking for persecution. I'm saying that persecution will come. Here's your response. Be happy about it. Because you're identifying with Christ. And you're identifying with prophets and witnesses that have gone on before you. Rejoice. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your seed is tested, when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Needing nothing. So our response when people collide with our faith and our belief and our godliness and our Christian walk is, is not to retaliate, not to curl back, but to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Now, please don't develop a victim mentality as a result of that. Because I've, I've, I've noticed people that uh, sometimes when they're persecuted, they'll, they'll, they'll have this mentality that, oh, everybody's picking on me. I don't know what to do. They don't like me. Oh, shut up. Um, don't develop a victim mentality about that. Uh, there's a proper way to respond when people don't agree with your, with your walk or, or your standard or your values. And that is not, not to retaliate or not to be a victim, uh, not, not, not to, to say everybody's against me, but to say, Father, I rejoice that I'm able to be counted as a Christ follower. And, and Lord, their persecution is not going to derail me from accomplishing what needs to be done for the kingdom of God. Here's what the Bible says. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. And who's the church? You. You understand that? The gates of hell. Now listen, listen, gates, gates don't do anything. They just stand there. So what it means is we need to pursue our relationship with Christ and the kingdom of God and allow God to fight our battles for us. You don't have to fight your battles. You don't have to be offended at that person because they, they don't agree with you. Not at all. 
Thirdly, let me, let me quickly uh, finish here. What happens as a result of persecution? It connects us with a greater cloud of witnesses that have been persecuted be long before us. It connects us with them. Um, Hebrews chapter 11, I won't take time to read the, the entire passage, but, uh, uh, but others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at. Their backs were cut open. Others were chained in prison. Some died by stoning, so on and so on and so forth. It connects us with, with witnesses and, and, and heroes of faith and a cloud of witnesses that have gone on before us that suffered great persecution. Now, maybe your persecution is mild compared to that, but it connects us with them. We experience Christ in, in a most profound way when we endure persecution, when we endure hardship, when we endure uh, uh, the, the tribulation that comes our way, we experience Christ in a, in a profound new way. Thirdly, we develop spiritual strength. And I, and I, I do want to read this scripture to you this evening. Romans chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. Oh, three, through, 3 through 5, maybe. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials. For we know that we, they, they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us. Because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So, Difficulty, trouble produces something in us. And, and, it, and we develop character as a result of that. And, and fourthly, lastly, uh, the church will grow spiritually. Um, Philippians chapter 1, just a very short scripture. Paul writing to the Philippian church, and he's in prison while he's writing this. And he says this, and I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. Let me, let me say something about the church, and you can look this up in church history. Throughout history, when the church of Jesus Christ has been persecuted, the church has always grown stronger. It is when we do not have persecution when we are much like the world that the church falters. But persecution drives the church to a new commitment and a new revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, I, I don't know how that works. I don't know how that works. But, but I do know this, that our forefathers in the Christian faith were willing to go into a lion's den for their faith. They were willing to be burned alive for their faith. They were willing to stand for their faith and not compromise their relationship with Jesus Christ. And I said last week, and I'll say this again, if we are brought up on charges of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict us? I pray there would. So, the beatitude that Jesus gave is you're blessed when things don't go well around you. 
when you're persecuted for being my follower. Now, don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of it. Because there is strength that's imparted to you as a believer when there's opposition. When there's opposition. Now, in preparing this tonight, and I'm, I'm, I'm closing, uh, in preparing this tonight, I want to just briefly hit uh, all eight Beatitudes just re- re- very quickly. Um, but in preparing this tonight, I, I, I told my wife, I said, I'm not going to get a lot of con- hand claps tonight. Um, and I didn't expect that. But the reality of it is this. We live in a world that is culturally opposed to our walk with Christ. And, and, and I've said this three times. I'm going to say it one more time. <laughs> one more time. You can't have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. It just doesn't work. What it does is it makes you miserable. Do you know some miserable Christians that are trying to live with a culture um, So do I. So, in, in closing, how many times have I closed tonight? Three? In closing, this is my fourth closing, I'm done. You're blessed when you're totally dependent upon God. You're blessed when you allow God to heal your hurts so that you can be used to heal the hurts of others. You're blessed when you're content with who you are and you're walking in humility. You're blessed when you're hungry for the things of God and, 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 and in your life and you settle for nothing else but Jesus Christ. You're blessed when you receive mercy and you demonstrate that mercy to others in a profound way through grace. You're blessed when your desire for purity overrides everything else in your life. You're blessed when you can work for peace and reconciliation and settle for nothing less. And you're blessed even when you're persecuted for righteousness sake, because that is when we are much like Jesus. Amen. Thank you again for joining us. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by our service. And we invite you to join us again next week. Our services go live every Sunday at 9 a.m. on Facebook, YouTube, and at wordoflife.church. And we also meet in person every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. If God is using our church to change your life and you'd like to help us lead people to life in Jesus through giving, you can do so by visiting wordoflife.church give or you can text your donation amount to 84321. Follow along with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube if you'd like to know more about what God is doing in and through our church. God is doing incredible things here and we are so honored that you chose to spend your time with us.